This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Alistair Cornwall is the is the co-host yep. of Film Guff, a podcast that offers lowbrow talk about low-rent movies. He has a wide variety of geeky interests, everything from gaming and car racing and Funko Pops, which I see a lot behind him. But today he's joining us to discuss his love for the science fiction comedies franchise, Red Dwarf. Alistair, welcome to Geek 4. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. Now, you've had me on Film Guff, and we talked about Steven Sodenberg's Out of Sight. Good. I love the idea for the podcast. You guys thank you. get people to like bring up obscure films, forgotten films, sometimes of dubious quality. And then you talk about them. <laughs> They're normally so, caps. <laughs> those episodes are better. The episode, it was a couple before I was on, was it Life Force? Like this, yeah. this sci-fi film that I remember when I worked in video stores seeing, but like having no memory of it until you guys started talking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's terrible. That's yeah. awful. Um, <laughs> Where did the idea for, for Film Guff come about? So myself and uh, Kev, who, who's been on a, an episode of this already, yes. he he and I was on a, a podcast together called Laps Gamer Radio, which is where I cut my teeth podcasting and Kev joined a little bit before me. I, I guessed it on there and then I ended up being a permanent fixture for a few years. Um, and the, the podcast wanted to change direction. So myself and Kev ended up leaving. But while we were there, we got, really friendly we're like best mates now um and we had a mutual love of films but on opposite ends of the spectrum so i'm more about anything from the 80s to to modern day Um, i'm an action junkie uh love random comedy films and things and kev's all into his italian random films and black and white stuff and all that and we thought let's just make a podcast about it neither of us are necessarily academically trained and we just thought, rather than being hidden gems, well, there are some hidden gems, yeah. and we don't like people to say, you know, things that you're embarrassed about. It's just what you like, guilty pleasures. No, it's a film you like. You shouldn't be guilty about it. And and the podcast grew from there. And we've tried to adapt the format as we go along to try and keep it a little bit fresh, find our feet, and just try and do something different. So we kind of hit all areas. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a massive film buff, or at least I thought it was until I met Kev. And what's good b- between us is that dynamic is that I've got a more of a modern take on things and, and like that. Kev brings the older stuff. So there's films that I'm showing Kev that may only be four or five years old. He's never seen it yeah. or never really appreciated it until I go, look, come on, give it a chance. Yeah. But then on the other side, he's like, have you seen this from the 80s? And I'm like, no. And then he's <laughs> like, and that, now I've started buying loads of stuff from Arrow and Indicator and 88 films because they've got a lot of martial arts stuff. So... Yeah, that's kind of how it how it happened. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. You guys have such a love and like your your rapport with each other is so great. It's 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 a, it's an amazing podcast. If you haven't listened, please do. All Thank right, you. let's talk about Red Dwarf. How would you explain it to the uninitiated? So, it's a comedy sci-fi started in 1988, so it's the first episodes if you, if you if you're new to it, you know, you've got to appreciate that they were they're in the 80s. And it's basically a, a a sitcom about people being lost in space. Mm. So the premise is is that you've got Dave Lister, who in theory is the last man alive, but they're not on Earth. Just he's potentially the last man alive. What happens in the very early episode 
is him and Rimmer are technicians, but they're like the lowest of the low. They go around and fix the vending machines and unclogging the chicken soup nozzle and all that. Because we, I don't know if you have them over there, but over here, sometimes you get random coffee machines that also do soup. And you're like, I don't think that, I've seen never those. Ter- <laughs> yeah, terrifying. must be a British thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're like the lowest of the low. And uh, Dave Lister ends up smuggling a cat on board. He gets caught out. He gets put in stasis for, it's meant to be a couple of weeks. And while he's in stasis, Rimmer fails to fix a drive plate, which causes a radiation leak. So when it's safe for Lister to come out, it's three million years later or thereabouts. The ship's computer's gone a bit nuts because he's been on his own for such a long time. His cat has mutated into near as damn it a human. And they've brought Arnold Rimmer back as a hologram. So that's and that's to keep him sane. And then it's basically those four guys. Later on, you get Crichton as well, who turns up, who's like a robot. And it's just those guys moseying around space and doing weird things and just being human and <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's 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 a show that I remember when I got into British comedy, like the early nineties. I remember, like there was a selection of of VHS tapes that were available of of stuff like Black Adder and Faulty Towers, obviously. And I remember. Yep. Red Dwarf. And it wasn't until uh, I started doing research because you were coming on that I realized like the show actually continued or like started again or like, so it's still going on. Yeah. 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 So, so it's literally all of the same cast. The only in the very first episode, there's a few extras to, to bulk out the crew until they, they all die. Um, And then you only get the odd extra character here and there, but it's been the same people. The only person that's changed is Holly who did the first two seasons and it was Norman Lovett. And then it went on to be a, a lady later on. And then he came back in season eight. So that's the only character that's it's kind of changed that's a regular. But the main four people have been there since the start. And it's had a, a little bit of time where there's been a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And I know that's because of the two guys that created the show had a bit of difference. And one kind of went away for a little bit and then they came back. Uh, and there's a, show, a a channel here in the UK called Dave, who then ended up buying the rights to it off off BBC, and they've carried it on, and we're out now on season twelve or thirteen, I think wow. it is, and it's the longest running sitcom, so it's thirty four years old this year, wow. um, and that's got that had the same cast as well, because I know stuff like Star Trek is kind of and Doctor Who, yeah, but they've had different interpretations and different doctors or different crew and different parts of Star Trek. Whereas this is the longest running comedy sci-fi show in history. So when did you get involved and what drew you to this show? I I don't know what drew me to it. I think it was just because it was so funny. But so in 1988, um, I was was three. (laughs) So I wasn't old enough to watch it. I I have an an older brother who's seven years older than me. Mm -hmm. And I think we were just watching it at some point. I think it was around season six when I really started to get into it, which was, um, I think, like 96, something like that. So I was about 10. And and the good thing is, although it's on later at night, so it'd be, you know, your, your eight o'clock kind of time slot, it wasn't actually too bad for, for children or for any audience, really. Mm. They don't swear. The worst word they use is smeg, <laughs> which has multiple meanings, but they just replace anything with the word smeg and there might be a few adult themes but it's a little bit like toy story and those kind of other films where i won't say this was produced for kids it's the other way around but 
there's adult undertones to it, but if you don't understand them, it doesn't matter because yeah. the cat will be doing something weird or Crichton's hand becomes, they put, he puts an eyeball on it at some point to go and help someone out. And so it's, it, and it was just the, the weirdness of it that, that got me and it was just funny. Um, and it got to the point where when I was at school, and so I was, uh, I don't know what it'd be classed as in America and, and other places around the world. So it would be senior school here, which is, I guess, high school. Yeah, so, for you guys, yeah, when I was about eleven. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that we were printing out. I got a group of friends that all loved it as well. Um, so we were all watching it on TV and, and different things because it's kind of a prime slot in the UK. And we ended up print. I don't know why we did this, but we did. We used to print out the scripts and all have a character each, and we used to sit and read it in the library. Oh, that's brilliant! And like, act it out. I have no idea why we did it. <laughs> But we did. I had a Lever Arch file full of different scripts and we used to go, oh, what, what episode are we doing today? So every day... I have no idea why we did it. You and your mates would perform episodes of the show. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah That's just great. reading it out. like yeah. a table, It'd be like a table read. Table read and I, yeah. I have no idea why we used to do it, but and doing the accents and <laughs> and, and whatnot. That's that's great, and it's fit, like at that at that point, scripts were available. You could get them. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. had a I had a drama teacher who used to do that with us. Um, I think we would do episodes of Faulty Tower, and we'd have to do like, and I mean, that's like you, you need to know what you're doing. Like, it, none of us could really do that well, but just having fun and sitting around reading a script uh, of a show that you love, I can see that being yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, and then. I think it was uh, it's 98, I think I've got it in my notes. As. Yeah, so in 98, uh, they did Red Dwarf Night. So me and the group of friends, I think there was, they ended up being about six or seven of us, all went around to one of my mates' house, stayed over, the parents allowed to stay over, and they had what, what was called Red Dwarf Night on BBC. And it was literally Patrick Stewart introduced it because there's a lot of celebrities do guest appearances and just endorse the show because it takes everything from all sci-fi genres mm. and just has a laugh at it. Um, so there was there was the Patrick Stewart did the intro and then there was Can't Smeg Won't Smeg, which is a a cooking show here in the UK called Can't Cook Won't Cook, and it had the the host was Ainsley Harriet who's a, a chef over here, mm-hmm. and he had the guys come on but in character. Oh, brilliant! Doing doing that. Oh. Um, then they had some of the Smeg ups, which is like the bloopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they had a a version of University Challenge, but it was Universe Challenge, which pitted the panel of uh, the, the cast against some proper nerds. Um, and then there was just the Red Dwarf A to Z. And then what is voted the most popular episode, which is Gunmen of the Apocalypse afterwards. So it's one of the rare times we could stay up dead late and, and watch. we all just nerded out to it. Wow. Just watch a ton yeah. of extra material, basically. I mean, DVD extras yeah. for the whole evening. That's great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And if you did pick up the DVD, I think it's the, on definitely on the Blu-rays. On one of the discs, you can actually watch. Oh wow! Like the Red Dwarf Night, all the oh. episode, all those bits on it. That's great. So, um, yeah, that has been so much fun. Um, I yeah. I love those yeah. stories of like when you 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 meet some people and you 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 passionately love something and you find this way to bond over it. Um, there's just yeah. something so powerful about that. Um, yeah. Now, if if somebody was to try to get into Red Dwarf now, like you know, 33 years of material now now. For most people who who, who maybe um, are, are listening, um, British TV typically has series of six episodes as opposed to like the American like twenty four or twenty two. Uh, so yeah, yeah. so it's not it's not completely overwhelming. But where would you recommend people start? Like go right back to the beginning, or is that stuff a little bit too? Um, 
creaky in terms of its sets and props. It's it's very grey um, and bland. But the, the thing is with the props and, and things like that and the, the studios is Red Dwarf started as Doctor Who finished. Wow. So they had all these people that did all the special effects. Some of them worked on Thunderbirds and things like that that were technically out of work when Doctor Who finished. So then the Red Dwarf crew just went, yep, we'll have. <laughs> and, and they started working on it. So the, the special effects, especially as they get later on, uh, they actually invented some things for, for the show. Um, you definitely have to start at the very first episode, which actually is called The End, because it is technically The End. Um, there's some funny jokes in there. I mean, I, I personally would just start a series one. And just go and right just, through. Just smash through it. Um, there's some gem of episodes as you go through. Um, there's one on um, season two called Thanks for the Memory, which is where Lister manages to take one of his memories of a girlfriend because Rim is quite sad and actually implants it into his head. Um, and then it kind of just goes a bit crazy mm. and, and whatnot. Uh, there's one called Better Than Life where they get these special headsets that go into your frontal lobes and you pretend you're somewhere, but it's only as good as your imagination so then because Rimmer's imagination is always very depressing, the tropical beach they're supposed to go to was the grimmest, it's raining, it's horrible, it's wet beach in, in the UK. And they're on there and different things. It's There's so many brilliant episodes out there that have just got... Season three is probably maybe where some people would like to start because that's where it came into his own with Crichton and, and things like that. And it's just hilarious throughout. I also think, like, I mean, going back and looking at some of the the early episodes, season one, season two, series one, series two. Um, I mean, you know, it, it does it does look a little creaky, but because it's a comedy, it actually doesn't really affect. Like, I mean, sometimes sci-fi looks outdated really quickly because technology changes so quickly. Star Trek yeah. is a great example. Like, I mean, the original series looks so old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah. But because it's a comedy, like, it almost doesn't matter that the the technology looks out of date not modern no and, and a lot of it is done they built the sets um and what happened in the late 80s there was actually electrician strike so a lot of shows were getting cut and, and things and they went look we've already got everything built we're ready to go so they ended up being able to get the green light to, to actually start filming but it gave the cast an extra few months to get into the characters and the nuances of how they were going to do it and um, but because it was physical sets apart from the odd time that Rimmer as a hologram might walk through something or Lister at one point puts his hand through him. A lot of it is just practical. There's not a lot of CGI, especially in the first few episodes. And then later on, they still use uh, like uh, puppets and things like that to, you know, and zoom in, like using the, the um, Thunderbirds technology. Yeah. So it doesn't look outdated. You know, there's not a lot of CGI in it. So it's not going to date too badly. Yeah. It's just of its time. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the jokes might not resonate too much with, uh, you know, a younger audience. Oh. Um, are there are there Red Dwarf conventions? Are there like fan meet meetups, stuff like that? Yeah, I've not managed to go to. So they call it Dimension Jump. Okay. Which is, is named after an episode um, where, so Rimmer has got his um, alternate or alter ego, but it's from a different dimension called Ace Rimmer and is really suave and a bit of a James Bond of the, the space world. So they have they have those conventions and they've been going on for years. I, I've not managed to get to one, unfortunately, but I really, really want to go to one. I have met Dave Llewellyn and Danny John Jules, 
So that's Crichton and Cap, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, it cost me £60 to have my photo with them. But wow. I did it. Um, but there's also a lot of other like books and things as well that came out. Mm. Um, so there are three novels okay. that loosely follow the show, came out after the show, but they, they were kind of loosely based around the characters. Um, I've got a program guide. Um, I know it won't work very well for the, the people that are I can dig, listening. I can dig but I've got... I've got a really old like Ooh. book, which is I think it's the first five or six series in there or seasons in there, and it tells you all different facts about it and and things like that. So like for example, um, in the backwards episode, they actually filmed it backwards, and there's a bit in there where you can actually, and I have done it, you can get the audio and play it forwards. And he's like, I can't believe that anybody that's listening to this, they're absolutely sad because why would you go through all the effort? To, and and he, But in reverse, obviously, it sounds really weird. Yeah. But there's a bit where uh, Lister's walking into a lake. Um, and what happened was, because he had these big biker boots on, his feet f- filled with water, but then the silt from the bottom of the lake as well. And he nearly ended up drowning. Oh. Um, they dragged him out and sorted him out, put some tape around his boots, and he did it again. Um. You know, it's, it's things like that. And then there's the Space Corps survival manual. and Because you've got your Space Corps directors, which came in in about season four, I think it was, which was, uh, so the Space Corps that kind of run space. And then they had these, I can never remember the numbers, but some of the weird things. And what happened was, is Rimmer always used to try and quote it. He'd quote it slightly wrong. And then it'd end up saying, well, why does it matter if you want to ban people from sniffing the the, uh, the gym seats and things like that. Um, it's just funny little things like that. But there's all sorts of extra material and things out there as well. Oh, that's great. Um, thank you. I'd totally forgotten about Red Dwarf until you brought it up. Like, again, it was, uh, I'm sure I watched it in that, in that period where I was like, kind of, I was absorbing as much British mm. comedy as I could. And, and yeah, like definitely the, the pull for like a doctor who fan um you could definitely see some influences yeah. there um they definitely go in the comedy direction uh but yeah. it's it's yeah it's a lot of fun so yeah. thank you for reminding it spans, me no no it's fine it spans five decades believe it or not yeah throughout that's... throughout it and it's just i love it like there's very often i'll be recording with kevin he would say something and not only will i get the quote but i'll be able to tell him the season and the actual episode number that it was oh, on. <laughs> I've watched it so many times. <laughs> that's, that's a special gift. That's a special, <laughs> special gift. All right. Are you up for some fast forward, some quick back and forth? Yeah, let's do it. All right. If you were blasted into space and could take one red dwarf character with you, who would it be? Crichton. Just because he can clean for me and different things and help me out. <laughs> I would also like a space maid. Yeah. Uh, is there something that you're a huge fan of that might surprise people? Um. Oh God. So you've, you can see all the pop dolls behind me. Um, <laughs> I'm a massive Batman fan. I've recently started doing uh, Japanese jujitsu. So I've started learning Ooh. to use nunchucks and things like that. Um, I'm a, a massive motorsport fan as well. So, Take your yeah. pick. <laughs> All right. All right. Batman, uh, jujitsu, or motorsports. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is the worst film that you've covered on Film Guff that got a 4K release after being featured on your podcast? Because you guys have this uncanny ability to mention a film and then a company will announce there's a 4K release coming out of it. The worst one. 
I think one of the one of the worst, and this is this is bad from a publisher's point of view. It's not the worst film. Was the thing, mm. which is where they released like a four K upscale, which it wasn't on a four K disc, and then yeah. literally a year later they went, "Oh, do you want the same one?" But now you've got a four K <laughs> disc, which was pretty rubbish by the publisher. I don't think what we do in the shadows is on four K, and I hope to God it doesn't go on four K because I hate that film. I just didn't get it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, my wife and I are watching the the show right now. Yeah. Um, I, I I like Matt Berry, um, so I, it's I'm, just yeah. that kind of. I even struggled a little bit with The Office and and things like that. They they're just that kind of fly on the wall mockumentary. I just I don't get. <laughs> just one of those genres <laughs> that's fair what is one funko pop you wish you had oh so one i've been struggling to get hold of is a it's called a movie scene mm-hmm. um and you can get one with batman i think it's from dark knight or batman begins but there's one with batman um and gordon with the the light and it actually lights Ooh. up as well with the bat signal Ooh. yeah like and, and it was only I don't know, say thirty pounds. So it's a little bit more okay. than a standard doll, uh, but now but it's going crazy. for hundreds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the special editions. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ali, thank you so much. Uh, if people are interested in following what you're up to, where can they find you on social media? So you can follow me at corn underscore wolf on Twitter, uh, and you can find uh, FilmGuff anywhere or FilmGuff.com, which would be a good place to go to. Uh, and then I've also got a couple of other podcasts. I'm on. Uh, one called Codec Moments, which is all about video games. And a couple of us, we don't release that often, but we kind of look at it as more of a high level, what we do, and a couple of guys are dads, so how they manage to get gaming into their life. And then one I started last year, which was um, Just Send It, which is all about motorsport, mainly F1, but we blend in a little bit of IndyCar and things like that as well. All right. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you so much for, for doing this. It's been a while uh, since we, we first connected and, and talked about this, but yeah. I really appreciate you coming on today. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. Yeah, cheers.